0: Reading from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to, to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. but has sent the rich away, empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening. My name is Drew, Um, I've had the privilege of being the interim preacher here with the First Baptist congregation for uh, the past few weeks and it is a joy for us all to be celebrating and gathering together uh, this evening. For the last few weeks we have been in the First Baptist congregation on an Advent journey through darkness. It hasn't always been easy. I've tried to make sure of that. It's often been uncomfortable having to see things we would rather ignore, having to hear voices we'd rather shut out, having to hope for reversals as if they are already real. And now, the dawn is just at the edge of the horizon. This idea of a journey nearly coming to its end reminds me of this First Baptist congregation in its journey of displacement from your home building. Due to the pandemic first and then ongoing construction and renovation, there's a sense of darkness and wilderness to what has been an extended season and yet it hasn't been all darkness due especially to our brothers and sisters here at central presbyterian and their generosity in sharing this space this building and so you have hoped you have been faithful whether In person or online, coming from near or far, you have journeyed to this moment where the dawn seems like it's just on the edge of the horizon. And yet there is more hope, more faithfulness to be embodied. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, which for us is... The conclusion of an Advent season and the commencement of a Christmas celebration, I wonder if we can draw a line from Mary to her son. Mary, as the first person in this story to believe in the darkness, and her son, Jesus who is the complete and whole embodiment of faithfulness. Mary is an example of waiting in the midst of chaos, the very kind of Advent waiting we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And she's also the first to believe in this story. So Elizabeth tells us, the first to believe the news that the child of promise would be born. And so I wonder if we can build on this picture of Mary. But first, let us pray. Jesus, in a world of doubt, put our faith in you, the solid rock, the unshakable foundation the promised Messiah, the Son of God. Now lift up my eyes, loosen my tongue. Praise be to the Lord, for he has come. The dawning of hope, the anointed one, God's tender mercy, the rising sun. See, I have to admit This passage from Luke 1 that we're talking about tonight is a difficult passage for me. Not because of the story itself. The story is beautiful and human and I resonate with Mary's fear and her troubled mind and her reluctance and hesitancy. After all, there's a reason why basically every time an angel shows up in the Bible... The angel's first words are, do not fear. This is a terrifying experience Mary is having. And I get that. But the rational side of me does not get the mechanics here. The reality of an angel, the biology of a virgin conceiving... The unbelievability of Mary's response to this unbelievable announcement. None of it makes sense, and it's hard to believe. Is this story difficult for you to believe? And why might it be difficult? Or are there other stories from Scripture that are difficult for you to believe? Mary's being a virgin and conceiving a child is one of the most difficult miracles in the Bible for me to believe. I'm not quite sure what that says about me, but it says something. And I'm afraid it touches on a latent sexism in me. My subconscious that has been often trained by our culture to disbelieve the stories of women. So along with wrestling with the miracle itself, I think I find myself wrestling with believing Mary. So maybe this fourth Sunday of Advent is an exercise in believing in the darkness, an exercise in believing miracles, and an exercise in believing a woman, believing Mary. And one of the most beautiful things about this story is that Mary shows us how. She believes even in her fear. She believes when her mind is troubled. Verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. This is exactly how I imagine you or I would react to an angel appearing to us. The message that you're highly favored and the Lord is with you isn't quite good news, at least not immediately. Mary's still trying to get over the shock and awe of this visitation. So imagine for a moment you're Mary in this story. Try to put yourself in her shoes. Mary responds out of these feelings of bewilderment and confusion How can this be? For I am a virgin. We have to read this story. Closely, lest we hear in Mary's response some sense of disbelief. Mary's response is not one of skepticism, but rather one of clarification. And we have a good reason to think this. It's in the way the angel responds back to Mary. If we go backwards a little bit to the beginning of this chapter in Luke's gospel, we find a mirror story to Mary's. But this time it involves Zechariah, one of the priests, who is husband to Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin, and Zechariah will be the future father of John the Baptist. The angel appears to Zechariah, and Zechariah, like Mary, is terrified. And the angel, in standard angel greeting, says... Do not be afraid. And announces the birth of a child. Now, Zechariah's first response is also similar to Mary's. He says, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. But in Zechariah's case, The angel discerns, not clarification, but a demand for evidence. A question of disbelief and skepticism. And this is an affront in some way to the messenger of God. And so the angel says to Zechariah, you will be struck silent until the birth of the child. Here in Mary's story, the angel discerns not disbelief or skepticism, but clarification in Mary's question. And so the angel offers an explanation. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Well, Mary, if you weren't troubled and overwhelmed already... Now the messenger of God has told you that God's spirit and power are going to overwhelm you. So even while she's troubled, overwhelmed, and confused, Mary responds in faith. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So, what counts as a miracle to you? What's something you consider to be or have been miraculous? Mary shows us a way to believe in the darkness of a troubled mind. Mary also shows us how to believe when the circumstances require a miracle. reminds me of a line from W.H. Auden's poem, For the Time Being, where he says, nothing that is possible can save us. It would take something impossible, something miraculous. And this notion is at the heart of Mary's question of clarification. How can this be? for I am a virgin. What you are telling me would take a miracle. Well, actually it would take two miracles. One perhaps slightly harder to believe than the other, but both miracles equally wondrous. The first miracle is how a young woman who is a virgin could conceive. That's the one that's hard to believe. I don't understand it. That's how miracles are. But perhaps this first miracle, the miracle of conception, resonates with those of you who have battled infertility in your life. One of the often unnamed pain points in the Advent and Christmas seasons is that we spend all this time talking about and eventually celebrating the birth of a baby while so many among our friends, our family, in our community, congregations, and city battle this silent enemy of infertility. So while it's not the same miracle as Mary's conception, there are those among us who know well the pain of hoping and waiting through infertility. And those who hold a certain reverence for this miracle of conception... The second miracle is childbirth. Perhaps a little easier to believe than a virgin conceiving, because a whole lot of smart people have dedicated their lives to understanding pregnancy and childbirth. But as someone who has been present for the births of two children, let me confirm that it is indeed a miracle. I remember the births of both of our kids, but Afton's birth sticks out in my mind especially. Just before she was born, she was experiencing some dramatic decelerations of her heart rate with every contraction. And then when she was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her tiny body and around her neck. And so there was a a rushing of untangling and trying to clear her airway and an agonizing several seconds before she cried. A sound that would be torture to both of us, my wife and I, for the next 14 months was first... A cry of life. Childbirth is a miracle. These everyday, messy, explainable miracles often pass us by without comment or reflection. I like to think Mary would have been aware that believing the angel's words meant believing two miracles were possible the conception and the birth. So maybe when the circumstances require a miracle, we can follow Mary's lead and belief. And then finally, Mary believes, even though believing means offering her own body, Those of you who have been pregnant, who have given birth before, will know the reality that is pregnancy and the reality, perhaps, of nursing an infant. It is offering your body to another. It is to give your body for another's survival and sustenance. Take and eat. I can't even know this kind of faith embodied. But Mary's son does. So how about drawing that line from Mary to her son? Mary embodies faith that Jesus fulfills and epitomizes. Jesus is faithful when his mind is troubled, remember the garden of Gethsemane, Father, let this cup pass, yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus is faithful when the circumstances require a miracle. He came to give his life for the life of his creation. To die that death may no longer sting. But only through the miracle of resurrection. And then Jesus is faithful when it requires offering his body. Remember the last supper. Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This kind of faith in the darkness is the kind of faith we are striving for, even if we can't quite get to it, can't quite embody it. It's a Mary kind of faith, a Jesus kind of faith. Let us pray. God, we know we are often unfaithful. We fail to embody faith the way we want to, the way you've called us to. We pray that even in the midst of our troubled minds, when the circumstances require a miracle, when we have to offer ourselves, even our bodies, make us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen as we light our Christ candle to signal the full commencement of our Christmas celebration. I want to finish this evening with a meditation on Mary's Magnificat, the last passage that was read for us a moment ago from Luke chapter 1. Verses 46 to 55. Mary glorifies the Lord and rejoices in spirit at the strangest of circumstances when you stop and think. The good news from the angel meant suspicion and shame, at least among friends and family and Joseph. Mary Glorifies the Lord and rejoices in spirit at an announcement impossible by anyone's standards. A child to be born, not by natural descent, nor human decision or a husband's assent. A child born of God, conceived by the Spirit, who will offer rebirth to all who receive him. Mary glorifies the Lord. And rejoices in spirit, even though she is scared and alone and worried. Do not be afraid. This is good news of great joy, not only for Mary, for all, but for Mary, you who are highly favored. But who hasn't been favored when the gift to earth is the child of heaven? when the salvation of humanity is the embodiment of divinity. We call her blessed because she submitted her will. May your word to me be fulfilled. But Mary isn't special. She isn't the daughter of high standing, the sister of importance, the wife of influence, just a young woman. Engaged to be married, but not to a king. Pregnant, a virgin, expecting the king. Special because she was chosen and believed. The first believer in this story, so Elizabeth says. Blessed is she who has believed. She, not the priest who doubts in old age, she not the carpenter who contemplates divorce. She, now the mother of the Messiah. She, now broken and poured out. She, who would give her body to the one who would give his body, take and eat. Just a young woman, such a faith example. May your word To her be fulfilled. To her, a child is born. To her, a son is given. To us, a savior. To us, a counselor. To us, a prince. And the government and the throne and peace and justice and righteousness will be on his shoulders. And yet, there will be nothing in his appearance to attract us. No beauty no majesty, rather despised and rejected. I have a son and he doesn't look like Mary's, not especially in character or color or ancestry. No, Mary's son looked like those displaced from a home and region that knows not peace nor justice or unity or hope of release. Mary's son looked more like people we reject than the blonde hair and fair skin of my son. But my son and my daughter and every son and every daughter and every mother and every father needs Mary's son, the Holy One, the Son of God, Jesus So bring down the mountains of the rich. Lift up the valleys of the poor. Fill the hungry. Starve the full. Satisfy us with mercy. Remove our revenge. Beat our swords into plowshares. Mold our vitriol into jars of compassion. Scatter our pride like seeds that die. Reap a harvest of humility from the ends of the earth. Give us new birth in the way of life. Holy one, give us faith ever still. Help us now to submit our will. May your word to us be fulfilled. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.